I wonder if you've seen reaction videos on YouTube or on Facebook where people react to different things. Um, for those of you at home, why don't you throw in the chat your, your favorite reaction videos? But maybe some of you are familiar with a certain Malaysian uncle who reacts to fried rice videos and has a certain hatred for chili jam. We love to watch these things. We like to watch people react. And uh, if, you, uh, if you like watching TV, you've seen the show Gogglebox, where people watch other people and react to TV and different TV shows. Somehow this draws our interest. But one of the things that allows us to do is to keep a distance from certain things. We it allows other people to try things first, to react to things before we get to try it for ourselves. And if something isn't good, well, we can avoid it. And this happens in all different parts of life. We wait for other people, other people to give things a go or to buy that new thing and see what their thoughts are. We love reading reviews. But there are some things in life that you can't do that with. You can't live life through other people's experience, through their first-hand experience. Uh, we try and do that, particularly with social media, but we can't. There are some things in life that you can't do, you can't live vicariously through others. And Jesus is one of them. You cannot expect, you can't meet, you can't encounter Jesus through the, through the experience of someone else. Now, you can meet Jesus through someone else, but you can't encounter him and meet him through someone else's experience. You can't keep Jesus at an arm's length. You can't depend on other people's reactions to Jesus. You don't know if Jesus uses chili jam in his fried rice. You need to eat it yourself. You need to give Jesus a go yourself. And that's what the gospel is. It is an encounter with Jesus. And when you encounter Jesus, it demands a response. But this encounter that you have is different from the person next to you. You can't have the same encounter with the person next to you. Likewise, Jesus meets people from all walks of life, wherever they might be. And my prayer for us as a church, as a body, as, as God's family, is that we will be a home, a place where all people can encounter Jesus, no matter who they are, where they come from, or whatever situation they find themselves now, as we come to Luke, we see that Jesus gets a reaction right from the beginning. Before he was even born, he was causing a reaction. And last week we saw a massive reaction when he goes to his hometown and they're ready to throw him off a cliff. That's a pretty big reaction. And no wonder, because Jesus claims to be the Son of God. 
the one who is the second Adam, the true Israel, who will fulfill the promises of God. He will crush the enemy of all people, of God's creation. He will be a blessing to the world and he will save them from sin and death. And so as we encounter Jesus, as we read the gospel, we are asked to the question, will we put our faith in this Jesus? And when we do, are we confident in this Jesus? But we also see that there is no one who is left out to meet and encounter Jesus. Because this is an all-access pass. This is a backstage pass for each and every person. And so as we continue our story, we see that people encounter and respond to Jesus and the gospel in all kinds of ways. And so the question that I want to ask you today is, how will you respond to Jesus? How do you do that each and every day? In our passage that we've read, we see four different encounters. We see Jesus encounter his first disciples, Peter Peter and the fishermen. We see him encounter a man with leprosy, a paralyzed man, and Levi, the tax collector. And so we're going to just walk through these four different encounters. We're going to see how Jesus encounters them and what that might mean for us. The first encounter is Peter and the fishermen. And Jesus here is teaching with the crowds. And there's so many people that he is on the shore of the lake. And to make more room, so he's not crowding in. This is not a COVID safe plan. There are crowds pushing pushing in on Jesus. He gets on a boat to go out into the lake. And we're told here that the fishermen have just finished. They're washing their nets. And after Jesus has finished teaching, he says to them, he says to Simon particularly, let's go fishing. And out of respect, I imagine that Peter, that Simon and the other fishermen are tired. But out of respect, Simon says, okay. Let's, let's go fishing. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. And what happens? What happens is they pull in such a large number of fish that they begin to sink. Their boats begin to sink. We see that even just in this little glimpse, we see Jesus show his power over creation. He knows what's going on in the waters of that lake. He knows where the fish are. If nothing else, he has brought the fish to Simon and the others. But I want us to focus in on how Simon Peter responds. Verse 8, Simon Peter sees this. He falls on his knees before Jesus. Go away from me. Get away from me. I am a sinful man. And so this first encounter, and some of you may have experienced this yourself, when you encounter Jesus, when people encounter Jesus, they are struck 
by their sin. They are struck by their unholiness. Get away, Jesus. I am not worthy to be in your presence. Maybe some of you have had that experience. You've encountered Jesus. You've met Jesus and you've realized who he is. He is God. And you, you, this little person in his creation, you are standing in the presence of God. And just like Simon Peter, you're like, I'm not worthy to be here. Get away from me, Jesus. And maybe you still feel like that. Maybe you still have those moments where you meet Jesus again in in your day and you're like, I can't be here with you. You're too holy. You're you're God. I can't be in the same room as you. But I I want each of you to hear these words. What does Jesus say to Simon? Don't be afraid. Verse 10. Don't be afraid. Because Jesus is not just holy. He is merciful. He is gracious. And when we encounter the holiness of Jesus and we feel like stepping back, Jesus says, no, do not be afraid. No, come. Come to me. Just as we sung before, come to me. And as we're going to be reminded later, Jesus will forgive. Jesus forgives sin. Don't be afraid. Come. But not only that, Jesus invites Simon and he invites each one of us as we encounter him to join him in his mission. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. You will reach people. And you will bring them to me so that they might encounter me, that they might meet me. And so these fishermen leave everything to follow Jesus. And so even for us today, as we encounter Jesus, he invites us, and especially as a church, he invites us, go and fish for people, bring people so that they might encounter me. And that's what they do. In our second encounter, we have Jesus meet a man with leprosy. It's some kind of skin disease. We're not told exactly what. And what we see even in this encounter is something different. We see first a man with leprosy. As we see people with leprosy in the Bible, yes, we see a sickness of some kind, a disease of some kind. But there's something more to this. Because for the Israelites and for the Jews, a person with leprosy or any kind of skin disease was to be cast out of the city. They were to live on the edge of the city. They were outcasts. I don't know if you've been at the shops uh, and you're sitting there in the food court and you've noticed certain people, people who dress a little bit differently. Uh, Maybe people in costumes. Uh, Over in Chermside, there are people who are playing games in the food court. And as you watch them, you 
might respond to them in a certain way. The lepers, people with leprosy in the Bible, were outcasts. They weren't people that were welcome among the crowds. But Jesus meets this man with leprosy. And do you, do you see what the man does? The man knows that he's an outcast, but he comes to Jesus. Verse 12, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. There are people in this world who have heard about Jesus. They have heard his promises. And they want his help. They want to meet him. They want to encounter him because they know that he can change things. That he can make a difference. And he comes, this man with leprosy comes to Jesus. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Verse 13, Jesus reaches out his hand and touches him. I am willing, be clean. And this is the kind of Jesus that we encounter. A Jesus that is willing to engage, to meet with the outcast. He's not afraid. This isn't some schoolyard game where the boys have germs and the girls don't want to go near them. No, Jesus comes. Let me heal you. Let me transform you. Let me clean you. And that's what Jesus does. He cleanses the man. And the leprosy leaves him. But deeper and more importantly, what Jesus does is he restores this man back into community, into relationship, not only with God, but with people. And that's what this sacrifice is all about. Jesus orders him to go to the temple and order a sacrifice for his cleansing. Because he was outcast. But because he is now being cleansed and healed, he can come back into the place where all people are in the presence of God. And he makes a sacrifice. And that sacrifice would be a testimony that this man has been met by God. And he has been healed. Despite Jesus' orders to keep it a secret, the news spreads. Jesus restores people back into relationship. And this place should be a place where that happens. Where people are restored into relationship with God. And we need to ask, are we doing that? Are we making the way so that people can come to Jesus? People who want to come to Jesus, but they might feel different. They might feel like they don't belong. Like they're some sort of outcast. They want to come to Jesus, but they hesitate. There's a ministry that uh, I've been involved in recently and it's different it's different because the kinds of people that come are the kinds that normally wouldn't walk into a church this ministry 
is at a game shop. It's where people who feel awkward and have social anxiety and all sorts of other reasons that they don't want to come to church, they'll come and meet at this game shop. And you know what? That's what Jesus does. He opens the door to people who want to come to him. It's like, it doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter who you are. No, come, because I am willing. And he reaches his hands out to touch them. We have a third encounter where Jesus meets a paralyzed man. Some men, we're not told who or how many, but some men bring a paralyzed man on a mat to Jesus. And if you know the story, they lower this man through the roof. I don't know if you've been at the theater or at a show where people are on ropes and they fly in from the corners. Here is a paralyzed man being lowered in front of Jesus. And it causes a reaction. Because what does Jesus do? This man is lowered. Jesus is watching this unfold. And he sees faith. But it's important to note what kind of faith. It's the faith of the men who brought this paralyzed man. His friends who bring this man. Jesus sees their faith. And then he turns to the paralyzed man and he says, Friend, your sins are forgiven. And so while people can't encounter Jesus through our experience, they can certainly meet Jesus because we bring them. We can bring people to Jesus. And it's not just one man. There's some men. And so there's a group effort here. This is a team effort where people who want to bring people to Jesus work together. That's one of the privileges we have, that we can work together to bring people to Jesus. It's not just up to us alone. We do this together. So it's, so, it's why it's a great reason to introduce your Christian friends to other people. Because maybe on your own, there's not much you can do. And I don't know if I've said this or if you've heard this, but on average, it takes about 10 encounters with Christians before a person encounters Jesus. Just think about that. For someone to meet Jesus, it takes 10 encounters with Christians before they meet Jesus. It's a, it's a team effort. It's something that we do as his family. Together, we bring people to Jesus. But more than that, when they meet Jesus, he forgives them. He meets them where they are. But there's also another encounter here. The Pharisees and the teachers of law. The, the religious elite. The ones who 
the superheroes of the church, if you will. They are there watching this. And they think to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And you know what? They're right. No one can forgive sins. No one. I can't forgive your sins. Priests can't forgive your sins. No one can forgive your sins but God. The Pharisees are right. But they miss who is standing right in front of them. Jesus is God. And he shares in the authority of God to forgive sin. And that's why he came. That's why he will go to the cross. That is why he will shed his blood. He will go to the cross to die for the sins of the world. And he forgives them. And the Pharisees and these religious elites give me reason to stop. Because as people encounter Jesus, as people meet Jesus, they don't always meet him the way that I think they should. Or the way that others think they should. They don't go through the same process. Or the same door. But this is where we need to stop and check our own hearts. That when people meet Jesus, there is no right way. There is no program that people have to go through. There are all kinds of ways to meet Jesus. And we need to make sure that we're not getting in the way of that. Jesus forgives the sins of this man. And just to prove the point, Jesus heals the man to show that he is God. That it is, he has the authority, he is the son of man to forgive sins. We have one final encounter that we read this morning. Jesus encounters Levi and a group of tax collectors. Again, tax collectors are outcasts, but they're an outcast of a different kind. They're people that are despised by society. And the religious elite want nothing to do with these people. Uh, if, you've, uh, if you know about people in India, you may have heard of the Dalit people. These are the lowest of the lowest, and the Brahmin want nothing to do with them. And they will go to extraordinary lengths to Keep them out of society. I tried to think of uh, what would be the equivalent for us here today. Politicians, maybe? Uh, for some, anti-vaxxers, maybe? Immigration department, not very popular. Drunk guys stumbling through the street. I don't know. Who were the people that our world despises? Who are the people that you have a hard time seeing in public? 
But what does Jesus do? Jesus comes, he meets Levi at the tax booth, and he says, follow me. And that's what Levi does. He gets up, leaves everything, and follows him. And then what follows is extraordinary. You have to understand, the tax collector is despised. No good Jew would have anything to do with a tax collector. But Jesus sits and eats with them. Jesus sits and eats with them. And we see that this is a problem. The Pharisees and the teachers react. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And we need to hear Jesus answer. His response, verse 31. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And it begs the question, who would you struggle to eat with? If a crowd of people walked in to a meal, let's just say you were sitting in a restaurant and there's an empty table, there's no space left and there's an empty table right next to you what kind of person what what's the kind of person that you don't want sitting there maybe someone who's badly dressed hasn't showered for a few days and doesn't smell very good drunk guy who's yelling on the top of his lungs saying all sorts of strange things. Or an old man who walks in with a doll in his arm. I've seen it happen. It's not that strange. But what kind of person who would walk in and sit down next to you, would you suddenly get nervous about? Because these are the kinds of people that Jesus will sit and eat with. At some time, we've delayed it, but at some time we will have a baptism service. And we will open our doors to celebrate around food. And one of the reasons we do that is because it is a testimony to what, who Jesus is and what he has done. But are there people that you would struggle to sit with? I know I would. There are people that would make me nervous. And maybe reconsider my surroundings. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus meets with people wherever they are. And that's what we've seen, haven't we? In all of these encounters, we see that Jesus doesn't hesitate with anyone. He is willing to meet people where they are. And if you haven't encountered Jesus 
my question to you is, what are you waiting for? Because He is waiting for you. And if you feel as though you're unworthy or you're not able to come to Jesus, well, He says, no, come. Don't be afraid. Or if you feel like you don't belong, Jesus says, no, come. I am willing. Or maybe you have no idea and your friends have brought you to Jesus to meet him. He says, friend, your sins are forgiven. I am going to the cross and I will die for your sins. Your sins are forgiven. Or maybe you feel like nobody wants you. Like there is no place for you at all. That when people look at you, you feel like they just want you out on the street. Jesus sits with you and he eats with you. If you haven't encountered Jesus, he is opening the door to encounter him. But likewise, this reminds us that each one of us meets Jesus in a different way. We all encounter Jesus in different ways. But what it does do, though, as we see in each one of these encounters, is that it causes a response. And do you know what? It's the same response. It's one of praise. It is one of worship. The fishermen would go on to live their lives and give their lives for Jesus. The man with leprosy goes to the temple to make a sacrifice. The paralyzed man in the crowd who see him healed praise God. And Levi gathers his friends to celebrate with Jesus. They all respond in the same way. By recognizing who Jesus is and glorifying him and worshiping him. And that's what we do each week as we gather. We gather with one voice. We've all met Jesus in different ways. We've encountered Jesus in different ways. But we come together in one voice to glorify him and to worship him. But that's not just here at church. This is at home as well. And particularly for our families, as we relate to each other, there is grace that is needed. Within the husband and the wife relationship, we need to remember that we've met Jesus on different terms. And as we encourage each other to walk with Jesus, it's not always going to look the same. Likewise, husband and wives, you're not going to meet all your needs. Only Jesus can do that. Likewise for parents, our kids will meet Jesus in ways that we don't. In their younger years particularly, they will meet Jesus in a way that maybe we've forgotten. And we need to give them space to allow them to meet Jesus. And it may not be what we know or what we're comfortable with. But, having said that, we can model how we respond. 
we can model what it means to live a life of worship, to follow Jesus, leaving everything behind, to bring our sacrifices and our offerings to God, to praise Him, to thank Him, to gather others around the table to share what God has done. We can model that. But our kids might meet Jesus in different ways. And so there's nothing wrong to to ask for help, to pray and ask for wisdom. And likewise as a church, are there things that we do that stop people from coming to meet Jesus? Are there things that we're not doing or that we are doing that stop people from meeting Jesus? Maybe I'm the reason. Who knows? But what are we doing? Who are we that stops people from coming to Jesus? Because you see, the religious leaders, the religious elite, their job was to bring people to God. Our job as a church is to open the door so people can come and meet Jesus. And we have to be careful that there is not obstacles that we are putting in the way of people coming to Jesus. And it starts first by checking our hearts. And I'll be the first to confess, I've made mistakes. There are some dumb things that I've done that have stopped people from coming to Jesus. But let's not leave it there. As we round up on what we've read, we remember that Jesus meets people in all kinds of ways. And we have to be really careful that we don't put a box around how people can meet Jesus. But when people encounter Jesus, it demands a response. It demands a response to meeting Jesus. And that response is one of worship. It is one of faith. And so, how can we help people do that? Everything we do here should help people meet Jesus. And as we continue to sing, as we pray, the focus is to help people see Jesus all the more clearly. So how are you going to react to Jesus? How will you help others encounter and react for themselves? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come and we bring ourselves to you. And we ask that we have heard from you. And as we have heard from you, as we have encountered you, we ask that we might respond. And for some of us, we need to hear your words of grace. For some of us, we need to be convicted and rebuked of the sin in our hearts. And for others, we need questions to be answered. But whatever reaction there might be, I pray that that reaction would be one of worship 
one of acknowledging who you are and giving honor and praise to you. And so help us as we continue to reflect and to process these words. And we ask that you help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.